Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've decided we're just going to keep going after the pandemic, so I no longer going to do the spiel about the pandemic, but I haven't come up with a new one. So in the meantime, while I'm figuring that out, I'm going to have with my uh, tonight one of my favorite people, Daisy Bicking. Um, before we jump into the webinar, however, I want to tell everybody about a really awesome contest that we're doing. Surefoot pads are five years old. It was five years ago, January, that we created our pads and we went to the World Horse Expo. No, we didn't actually get there um, in Maryland because it snowed. It snowed like two or three feet in Maryland and we got 18 inches. And so Brad came home from the factory with a whole bunch of pads that were here right in my house. But anyway, we're five years old. We've survived. Um, most businesses don't make it past Five years, 50% don't make it. So we're super excited. And we did it during a pandemic. So that makes us really excited. So um, because of that, we're doing uh, uh, some contests on Facebook. And for the next five weeks, it's actually six weeks, but for the next five weeks, we're going to have a contest every week. This week, all you have to do is join the fans of Surefoot, post a picture of you and your horse, tell us why you love Surefoot or why you think your horse would love Surefoot if you don't have any Surefoot pads yet. And you'll be entered to win a pair of Surefoot pads. We'll draw randomly on Friday during my webinar with Wendy. Um, webinar, um, it's always on Surefoot on Fridays. Um, and then each week, we're gonna roll out another contest for five weeks. But what you need to know is you can enter at any time, any of the contests to be eligible for the last week, which is our grand prize of a full set of Surefoot pads, including duffel bag pods and physio pad. It's an over thousand dollar value of Surefoot pads and some lucky person is gonna win that. But you just have to be able to sign up for all five contests and you can do it after the, you know, you're just not eligible for that week's prize if you have to do it. Yeah, Daisy, you got a question? Am I eligible? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Everybody's eligible. I have no rules on this. Oh, okay. Then I'll definitely be entering. Thank you. Yep. Just go and put a picture in, picture of you and your horse. Tell us why you'd love some Surefoot pads. And each week we'll have a drawing for a pair of Surefoot pads. And then everybody who has signed up for all five contests, they go into the pot for the grand prize. So, um, it's really fun and I already people have posted just amazing stories and pictures of their horses. It's so exciting to see how Surefoot is helping so many horses around the world. Everybody's eligible worldwide, worldwide, no bars on this. You can enter. Uh, if you don't have a horse and you want Surefoot beds, yes, if you have a school horse, a picture of you with a horse. You know, it's, it's, we opened this up to everybody because we have people that stand on Surefoot pads and tell us how much it's helped them. So, you know, it's nice if you have a horse. Um, and if you, it's a school horse, that's great because you can help school horses too. In fact, Daisy knows a bunch of school horses that benefit from Surefoot. So we just want to spread the love. We're so excited to actually be here five years later after a pan during a pandemic, whatever. Um, and so we're just super excited and we wanna celebrate. We want everybody to celebrate with us. We're just really, really happy about this. So um, that said, you just if you're not a member of the Fans of Surefoot, just ask to join. Uh, as soon as you join, just go to that post. It's pinned to the top, put a picture of you, a little comment and you're entered. And that's all you have to do. Um, so that said, hi, Daisy. Hi, that's <laughs> exciting. exciting. So excited. Yeah, I love it. Five years. That's amazing. Five years. And, you know, I just, I have to say the thing that I love the most is reading how Surefoot is helping so many horses. It just warms my heart. That's really what keeps me going. And, yeah. you know, why I have, I won't even tell you some of the trials and tribulations. 
Well, I remember when you sent me the first physio pad. Yeah. And, you know, we use Surefoot every day and we love it. It's fabulous. It's really awesome. All right. So tonight, Daisy Bicking is going to talk about soul mapping. I'm going to let her do a brief intro and we'll get right into the topic. And I'm so excited about this because I just loved, I have, I, I printed out my little map, Daisy posted it. And I was like, this is really exciting. So I want to learn more so I can do this for myself. So hi, Daisy. Hi. Hi. I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, hoof mapping, Wendy is one of my favorite topics ever because it helps us be objective about, um, what we're looking at with the horse's foot. And that can be really difficult. So, um, for those of you that don't know me, I've been a farrier for 17 years and I specialize in rehabilitation of highly distorted and pathologic feet. Um, I've known Wendy for more longer than that time, which is crazy. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, um, Wendy and I have shared brain pans about hoof care and approach to feet and how to support the horse for a long time. And I wore my hat tonight just for Daisy. (laughs) We have our glasses, hat, we got it. Matchers. I love it. Um, I, I, yeah, uh, logo. Yeah. So I, um, I did a presentation for us as usual because I think that will help us with understanding hoof mapping better. And I'm gonna do play in window. Okay, does that help you all? Can you see that okay? Yeah, it hasn't gone uh, full screen yet. Oh, okay, let me try that again. We see it, but we see all of your stuff on the side of the Try this one, because I did this the other day and it did it this way. How's that? Oh, there it is. Good. I love technology, especially when it works. Yes, yes. And uh, thank you everybody for sticking with me, getting Daisy's sign up sorted out. Uh, Mercury's in retrograde. I had a couple of problems, but that's why I'm broadcasting Facebook Live tonight. So um, I'm trying to catch as many people as possible that wanted to see this webinar. Awesome. I'm glad. Yeah. So um, this is why we're here, right? We're here because I put out this slide with my latest hoof mapping and the, um, the, I had, I had updated it some, and it's really important to me that when we look at these things, that the foot that I'm depicting is as accurate as possible to a non-distorted foot. And that's not easy to draw. Mm-mm. <laughs> if you ask most people what a healthy foot looks like, you're going to get a bazillion different answers. And yet we all have something in our mind about, you know, what proportionally we should be looking at. And there's a lot of people that look at hoof mapping that come to similar conclusions. So the first thing I want everyone to understand is that this is not Daisy's approach to right and wrong with the foot. This is a combination of a lot of different versions of hoof mapping that I put it together in a way that I feel I can understand it and pull the things that I feel are most relevant to the horse's foot. So, but there are a lot of people that have come before me and really pioneered hoof mapping. And I think it's important to reference where these things come come from. So you can see on this soul map, I've got um, the depiction of the foot, and then I have directions for how to do soul mapping, starting at the bottom with prepare the foot number one. And I know I went counterclockwise on this um, for whatever reason that made the most sense to me. So number one at the bottom in black, number two, and then up to three, four, five, six, seven, all goes around, I've referenced where I got the ideas that are listed here. 
So, that right. you can so we can see like it says ELPO and Dr. Judith Schumacher and yes. Dean Ovenick. So yes. that's awesome. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever listened to the book called The Goal, which I highly recommend for you, Daisy. Um, but they talk about standing on the shoulders of giants. And that's what I think this is. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. These are not things that, you know, I miraculously came up with one day and want to take credit for. These are people that you all should go look at if you're interested in hoof mapping. Go look at ELPO, Gene Ovnik, uh, Dr. Shoemaker taught me a ton, Dave Duckett, um, you know, Mark Caldwell has a ton of stuff now. There, there's so much out there on hoof mapping to look at. And so, um, you know, the only thing that I found important was a, I wanted to know that the lines I was putting on the foot were, were critical, like no extra lines, because some of these hoof maps get lines everywhere, right? And the other part that was important to me is that it accurately did what I thought it was going to do. Meaning when I mapped a foot and I take a radiograph of it, they absolutely 100% line up. And if that doesn't happen with the system of hoof mapping that I'm looking at, I'm not going to bother with it. And also, is the information I'm marking on the foot important to my decision-making? Because there's a lot of lines we could put on here that aren't that important. Daisy, can opinion. you say what ELPO stands for? Yes, Equine Lameness Prevention Organization. And what about COR? COR oh, is center of rotation, sorry. Center of rotation, correct. <laughs> yep, yep. Now we're gonna come back to this. So we don't have to go into this in great detail at the moment. We're gonna come back to it. But I think it's important we talk a little bit about why hoof mapping exists, what it's telling us. And um, it, gets, it gets some like flack in the hoof care world where people say, well, not every foot's the same. So how can we do hoof mapping because we're not gonna trim them all the same, right? Have you heard that before, Wendy? Well, you know, every foot's different and, and there's always an ideal, but then you have to deal with reality. And I kind of think maybe that's what we're talking about here. Right, and the, the honest part of it is that the most important thing, if you all take one thing out of this presentation, the most important thing is that hoof mapping does not tell you what to do with the foot. It only tells you where the internal anatomy is located in relation to the external structures. What you do with that information is entirely up to you. Got it, hang on. Excuse me, okay. Bless you. <laughs> So, all right. So that being said, I wanted to draw one idea out to the forefront first. When you look at those two feet, is one of the two feet pictured here balanced better than the other? And how do you know? Well, I would say yes, but then again, I'm not, I, I, I think this is a trick question. Absolutely. It's a trick question, right? I mean, we obviously like one of these feet a lot better than the other, but I can tell you that they're both balanced beautifully. So one of the limitations of, of the kind of mapping we're talking about tonight, soul mapping, is that it is only two-dimensional. Okay. Okay. So these are important concepts to keep in the front of your mind. One, the map doesn't tell you what to do with the foot. And two, it's only mapping the ground surface, which does not account for the whole three-dimensional form of the capsule. So Daisy, this kind of makes me think of um, when I did saddle uh, pressure fitting with Joyce. She had a pressure saddle pad, right? You put it underneath the saddle, you saw where the pressures are. But it was, it did not tell you what to do because if you didn't look at the saddle on the horse, it could be giving you really, really false information. But it's Absolutely. important if you can take that and look at the horse. And I, 
I think that's maybe what you're telling us here that soul mapping can be useful, but we still have to look at the foot. Well, right. And that's, that's sort of an expanded topic of this because what I've learned is that we have to map feet in three dimensions. So for the purpose of tonight's conversation, we're going to map the soul. We're going to talk about the benefits of soul mapping and what it can tell you and where you can go with that information. But in real world application, I think it's important to recognize that the horse is standing on a three-dimensional structure that has to support its load through gravity and locomotion. Soul mapping isn't going to give you that whole picture. It's going to give you one piece of the puzzle. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. So we all have these different choices in front of us with how our feet are handled. And if we look at these bare feet, you know, this isn't even adding in prosthetic devices like shoes of any kind or boots of any kind. We probably all have visceral reactions to these feet. Ones we like, ones we don't like, you know, ones we think will function better, one that looks healthier than another. But in reality, they may all be very well balanced because balance and looking at shape and form is more to me about the symmetry of the external structures in relation to the internal anatomy than it is about the exact type of role on the horse's wall, whether the person trims the bars or not, um, whether there's a time to go up, up the wall higher with flare or put a square roll on a toe. Those are nuances of trim that have personal styles and have less to me to do with actual balance and whether you're doing a good job. And, and Daisy, ultimately it's how that horse responds to the trim that you've done, right? Well, right, absolutely. And how do you know? Like, how do you make your value decisions whether what you did today was a good job or a bad job or whether, to me, my question is always, is that the best I could do for that horse today? Right. Right, because we all have good intentions and we wanna help the animal, but sometimes we let our fear about hurting the animal override something we could consider to benefit the animal a little further. And we're talking here about proprioceptive and you know um, nervous system input to that animal in terms of how they stand, locomotion, and um, how they're going to compensate over time for what we do to their feet since they get so much info from that from their feet, right? Yeah. So you can do a really nice trim that serves the horse, the horse can get from point A to point B really well, but maybe it doesn't suit the nervous system of that animal at all. And, and are you gonna help us understand that a bit more? Yes. Okay, yes. Good. that's where we're going. Okay, great. Okay. Because I'm asking, I just have a question. Yeah, um, go ahead. This is similar to veterinary medicine. One can perform a wonderful surgery internally, all is perfect, but if the skin sutures don't look gorgeous, the owner thinks we did a bad job. Right. Yes, you can, I have another saying for that, right? The other way of looking at that is if you polish a turd, it's still a turd, <laughs> right? Like, he's over here. <laughs> good, <laughs> good. So, you know, to me, that's like, you could put hoof polish on a horrible, horrible trim and people think it's perfect. Right. And maybe the balance is terrible, right? Same, same analogy, the other direction. So. Absolutely, I agree with that statement. You know, it's about form to function, right? Okay, so feet like this, right? How would you know if you're on the right track? How would you balance these feet? So soul mapping is gonna give us one piece of that puzzle really, really well, okay? Absolutely. And we have these types of people to thank for our methods of hoof mapping. I mean, you know, I learned about hoof mapping first 
from Dr. Shoemaker because she's my hoof care mentor. And she was using Gene Ovnik and ELPO style mapping. And I've studied a lot with them and they have so many wonderful things to offer us. But yet at the same time in Gene's mapping is going backwards is the four point trim idea, which was Dave Duckett, Gene Ovnik and Rick Redden. Mm -hmm. And then Dave Duckett's the one that helped us figure out Duckett's bridge and Duckett's dot. And that's like the core of almost any hoof mapping system is Duckett's work. We mean, we're really grateful that he did that. And then everybody has kind of springboarded off of that. You know, I learned a lot of hoof mapping from Casey LaPierre as well. He had his version, um, Martha Olivo. She loved mapping and doing diagrams, but look at all these lines that she would do. Yeah, it's a bit busy. A bit busy, right? What are you gonna do with all this information? And then even Grant, Grant Moon, who was a more traditional farrier in the UK, he did a wonderful study on the value of hoof mapping. And these were some of the landmarks that he was looking at. So there's a lot of different ways to evaluate and assess these things. And they come from these, these wonderful people and you should study all of them and decide what seems relevant to you. Okay, so a healthy foot to me is one that provides locomotion, has appropriate circulation, creates a stable support base through gravity and provides proprioception. Okay, how do we give the horse that? That's the question. If you ask 10 people, what is a balanced hoof? They're gonna give you 18 different answers, right? So how do we make qualitative and quantitative decisions? So hoof mapping is going to get us close. It's gonna give us a big piece of that puzzle because it's the hoof's interaction with the ground. The sole, the sole side of the foot is what actually, it's like the, the tires hitting the road, right? Like you want good tires because that's what connects the entire car to the ground surface, right? right? So health mapping aids the healthcare practitioner is a tool that tells you where your external landmarks relate to your internal anatomy. It does not tell you what to do with the foot. And there are so many different styles. This is what I've kind of put together that helps me be accurate because of this, right? This works. Oh, the Fibonacci spiral. Oh yeah, it oh, works. It yeah. works on the foot. And that's why we can do hoof mapping. That's why hoof mapping works is because we're looking at ratios and proportions, not measurements. So just like Leonardo da Vinci's Vesuvian man, right? He looked at the proportions and the ratios. This applies to the foot as well. And fractals and chaos theory. So if, you, if you're not familiar with some of this stuff, you should definitely, definitely study it because I find it so fascinating and Wendy, you and I have talked a lot about this, about the repeating patterns in the horse, that when they have a brace one place, how many places will you find that in the horse? And what Surefoot is doing to me for the horses is helping them unwind that based on their own proprioception and integration to the ground, right? Yeah. Right. They can do it organically given the correct input to their nervous system. Right. Okay. So this is where, to me, hoof mapping isn't a, well... I, sh I could consider using hoof mapping occasionally if it, if it seems like the foot is confusing. No, I'm using my hoof mapping, even if I'm not drawing on the foot every time, I'm using my hoof mapping with every single foot I touch. Because if I don't trim a foot or aim for these ratios, whether it's in one trim or over time, I am doing a disservice to that horse's entire nervous system. That's, that's my core belief. Okay. Okay. So. Here we go, hoof mapping. Um, so the steps of this for the moment are not as important as understanding what relates to what and why. 
So I wanna go through this briefly. And if you all have questions, put them in the chat. And Wendy, feel free to you know, interject the way you do to help us make sure that everybody's following what I'm doing. Got it. Okay. So can you all see my mouse? Yes. Great. So one of the things that's critically important with hoof mapping is you need to be able to see through distortion. So a lot of this comes from ELPO with where you're actually gonna do a little bit of trimming and preparing the foot in the back half of the foot, especially on a barefoot horse. So we like to exfoliate the frog, look at the chalk in the back of the foot and look at any flaps and really clean up where the back of our collateral grooves are, just so we can see. And then I like to draw a line down the midline of the foot. And then I'm gonna go over to number two. And I'm gonna start at the back of the foot and find where the reliable back of my foot is. If you have a distorted back of your foot, it can be really hard to see like where should the back be, right? You actually draw on the hoof itself. Can I, or do I? Do you? Yeah. Okay. So basically have your Sharpie handy. Have your Sharpie handy, have a ruler, have a straight edge. And I have a video that I can, I can play if you want at, when we're going through all this, showing actually going through these steps. Yes. I okay. okay. So um, you're going to find the back of the foot. There's three ways to do that. For me, I never ever want to decide on a landmark without having more than one corroborating piece of information that's telling me that that's accurate. Okay, so if you have multiple hoof distortions going on in your foot, it might be hard to figure out where exactly is the center. That's why we have five ways to figure out where the center is. Just like we have three ways to figure out where the back of the foot is, okay? So the three ways are the true back of the central sulcus, the back of the collateral grooves, and there's a spot on the frog where it turns to heel bulb surface, ground surface to heel bulb surface. Look at those three spots, that's gonna be the back of the foot. Then if you don't know where your central sulcus is, like say you have a lot of thrush, we have a way of verifying our true central sulcus. Okay, this is pretty cool. And this is based on those Fibonacci spirals and equations on how all these ratios come together. So you can see this green line here where this arrow is on the side of the foot. Yep. That measurement from the about approximate widest part, junction sole to white line, to the bar swell here, we're gonna to get to that in the middle. Take that length, that is actually the same length as your central sulcus, guaranteed. Oh, how cool is that? Guaranteed, it works 100% of the time. Well, Daisy, I, I mean, I'm, one of the things I did when I got your soul map was I took a photograph, one of the photographs of my horse's foot and I started to draw these lines, which is why when I started doing that, I was like, I really wanna to talk to you about this. But that's a way we can practice um, figuring these out because it's, you know, just that simple measurement there, it would be nice to do that on a bunch of pictures and then make sure that that's, you know, con not so much convince ourselves, but get our landmarks down. Yes, the trick of that is you've got to have an accurately acquired picture. Ah. So as, as long as your photo isn't skewed in perspective, then you can take a picture of it. And I do that for people where people will send me good, good photos that are taken at an accurate angle and I'll mark them all up for them. Okay, so you basically need the camera parallel to the hoof so that it's not just distorted in any Correct. Okay. Yep, if you're taking a picture of the sole, you want the face of the camera or like your phone or whatever you're using to be parallel and aim the lens at the center. Got it. Okay. And on the phones, you have to be careful because the lens is not centered on the phone. You got to make sure the Correct. lens is centered on the hoof. Correct. And Wendy, if you want to send me a picture of Al's foot, I will mark it up for us if you want. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. so, like yeah, whenever. Okay. Yeah. I will during this during this webinar, if you'd like, I can do that. I'll go find it. I got I got them. Okay. 
can I move on in the meantime? Yes. Okay. So, um, so you can verify that central sulcus length. The cool thing about verifying the central sulcus length is if you double that length forward, it gives you your true frog apex, 100%. And that's over here in purple, verifying the frog apex. And these come from ELPO. These are great tips from them. So you can double the central sulcus length. So say you have a frog you suspect is running forward. Sometimes that makes the end of our foot look really short, but maybe it actually isn't. So we can verify where the true frog apex is with this measurement on the lateral side of the foot and then doubling that length forward of the central sulcus. That gives us the true frog apex. Cool. And then there's another cool one where you can actually find the approximate tip of P3, where you take that central sulcus length at the widest part of the foot, the center of the foot. So we're gonna find that next. But if you find that reliably and you double that forward from the widest part, you're gonna get the approximate tip of P3. Uh, somebody's asking, um, how much difference is there for them for mapping mules? And is this, are there reliable sources for mapping a mule foot? This totally works for mules. So it works for any foot? Yes, because we're not looking at the heel purchase. You know, mules and donkeys are different because their frog is often bigger and more bulbous, takes up more of the back of the foot. And the heel, the heel support right here where the bar meets the wall, this is what I call the heel um, purchase, it, um, it will be forward. But that's okay. I'm not, I'm not looking at that. That's totally okay. So just ignore the heel purchase, map the back of the foot, find the center with the five ways here and then double that forward. And it's going to give you where the breakover could be in a non-distorted foot. Okay. Okay. So um, then once we have the back of the foot, we're going to go to finding the center. And so we're going to look at five different ways. Um, one way is um, there's a bump on the inside of the um, bar um, called the bar swell. That's the most reliable. Um, and you know, I can point that out to you all. You can feel it on your horse's feet. Um, the end of the true white line of the bar here is another way. That's all right under the center. That's right under the COR. And then the, um, the widest part of the foot at the junction of sole to white line, not the wall, but the white line. And also a term I love, which is frog boob, which is this yellow here. Um, that was given to me by Dr. Shoemaker. And um, this yellow is, um, is actually a very meaty part of the frog at the center that Dr. Bowker talks about protects the navicular bone. So it's on Duckett's bridge and it actually is, is a weight bearing like support for the navicular area and protective. Duckett's bridge is a new, I know Duckett's dot, but Duckett's bridge I'm not familiar with. Yeah, so Duckett's bridge is the center of rotation. It's this line here in the middle and okay. it's, it's the rotational center of the hoof capsule, okay? Where Duckett's dot is three eighths of an inch back from the true frog apex and it's the rotational center of the coffin bone. It, oh, okay. Okay. It's also the projection of the extensor process as it comes down um, on the foot. Okay. So we have another question. So if yeah. heels have been allowed to run a bit forward, this could be considered a distorted foot and different rules might apply, question mark? No, I don't. So to me, the heels being back at the widest part of, of the frog in particular is not the biggest priority. Okay. 
So, I mean, that's just, to me, I don't consider these heels underrun personally. And, and if you're, if you're mapping, you're going to be mapping any foot and you're just looking at the proportions when you get it mapped, right? So right. if it's a long toe, low heel foot with a, and you're going to see that your proportions are different than say a foot that's a little bit better trimmed, balanced. Right. And the goal is to have the heel purchase back as close to the widest part of the frog as possible, but that may not be doable on every foot. And so I drew these a little forward on purpose because you know, when we look at three-dimensional three mapping and balance, um, you know, the heel height is going to affect your pitch, which is your, your heel height, your palmar P3 angle. And that's a whole nother dimension of balance that's outside of what we're talking about tonight specifically, but is equally as important, which is why that, to me, those two things do not have to go hand in hand to have a balanced foot. Okay. That helps. Okay. So we can use five ways. If any one of these five ways is, or two ways is distorted in our foot, we can use the three other ways. So plenty of landmarks to look at. And you're going to find that multiple points are going to line up in about the same area. And you're just going to draw your line there. You're going to make, make a decision. These lines should be perpendicular to the center line. You don't want to follow distortion in this. We're trying to see through distortion. So if your whole foot, say, is twisting off one direction, you're not going to draw your lines like this crooked following that distortion. You're going to see through the distortion and you're trying to draw a grid on this foot. So you know where the, the true center of this footprint is, regardless of what else the hoof capsule is doing in the process. Okay. Right. So then um, once you have your center, you're going to double that, this pink line here, you're going to take the length from the back of the foot to the center and double that forward. And that's going to be your 50-50 line, 50% heel support and 50% toe support, which is considered to be biomechanically neutral. Okay. Okay. No, it says here, this is not a trim line. I'm not suggesting that you just go hack the foot off at this place. That's kind of where hoof mapping gets misconstrued. I'm suggesting that you just know where your biomechanical 50-50 line is, and then you can make adjustments from there. And then for a barefoot trim, because this mapping is designed predominantly for barefoot and you can modify it for shoes, um, you can identify your toe callus, which to me is an important um, load-bearing structure for a barefoot horse, and find our toe pillars, which is here on the quarters. And once you have those, then you can decide how you're accurately trimming this, this foot. And, and wouldn't it be over time, if you keep mapping the foot and doing a trim and mapping your foot, you're going to see either your mapping is going in one direction or it's going in another direction. Yeah. It can be a great tool to see changes to the foot over time. Absolutely. And you might see changes in the foot seasonally. If it's wetter, things might get flatter and run forward. If it's drier, things might come back and get get more compact and more boxy. And your mapping is going to show you that where your eye might not see that as quickly. The map is going to show you if right. the foot's sliding and you can catch it. Yes. Yeah. And then I like to draw more of a box around my foot. You don't always have to do this. Some people really need to connect all these lines to see the symmetry. So if that's helpful to you, you can do that. Um, I seem to be able to see it without having to draw those, those 90 degree corners that we're looking for. But um, I have it here as a step because it does help a lot of people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is kind of what that looks like on, on a hoof. And this is a foot that I work on that um, is 
fairly close to me to an ideal foot. Um, you know, we certainly have, you can see where the symmetry is. Um, you can see that toe callus here at the front, the pillars on the side, which are load bearing structures that protect the coffin bone as well as the callus. Um, and then you can see where we can just put that coffin bone right into that map. Well, that's your dotted line. Yeah, the dotted blue line here is the coffin bone. Got it. And the center is right under the center. So um, on, the, on the coffin joint, you're gonna be right in this location if you're looking at the sole, if you're looking down on the bones proportionally, if that makes sense. Yep. Okay. Um, and you know, so the pillars are located in the toe quarters, your toe part of your foot is defined as going from pillar to pillar, which is like 10 and two on the clock. Right. Okay. Quarter is here and then you have a heel quarter as well. And then oh. your heel purchase. So, you know, we can describe parts of the foot very specifically and what is skewing out of balance. And the design of the map is to get us back centered around the middle. And then we can look at what's going awry in a very objective way. Awesome. And it works on anything, right? Like this is not about barefoot versus shod. This is about just seeing symmetry and balance. So you can do this, you know, the, the middle line here is Duckett's bridge. The, the top line here is Duckett's dot. You've got the crosshairs with the pillars and the heel points and then the square around it. It can be a barefoot, a composite shoe, a metal shoe or a diagram. The balance you're looking at is all the same. It doesn't matter. Now, um, you know, in some of the webinars that I've had people talk about how the two side, the medial and lateral side of the foot aren't necessarily exactly the same size. Yeah. Right. I think that for a lot of people and horses, that's the same. If we look at our feet, right? Like where the center of mass is and gravity. Um, so that to me is not, is not important. It's not important that everything's the same. What's important is that everything is centered around the center. Okay, so we're not really worrying about say um, the lateral side of the foot being a little bit wider or anything because it's not, that's not gonna influence uh, the center in other, you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? Right. Those are trimming. How we handle those distortions are trimming decisions. Right. And hoof management decisions that we have to make based on what is the horse doing? If you have a, a severely asymmetrical hoof capsule, you may need to say, Hey, you know, I can address this in my trim by gathering it more, but if I can't, if I don't have room to do that, I might need to add a protective device to accommodate the mechanics that are out of place. So there are things to notice. It doesn't tell you what's right and wrong or good and bad. Right. Yeah. Again, it's like I said, it takes me back to the whole thing when we measured the pressures under saddles. It doesn't tell you how to fix the saddle. It just tells you where the pressure is. Then you know how, have to know how to interpret that information before you take an action. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But if you don't have the information from the saddle pad, the pressure pad, well, then you're ignoring some valuable information that could help you with your decision-making process, right? Right. Okay. And, cool. and there's always a surprise. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. You know, when you start mapping things, and I have, I have a couple of um, quick case studies to show everybody about how maps help me make huge changes that I never would have had the guts to do. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. Yep. So this is like some basic mapping, right? Like this is like... It sounds really complicated, but it can be very, very simple. It doesn't have to be super high tech. 
Okay, we've got the center marked, we found the back of the foot. You know, some of these have a toe callus and toe pillars drawn in, the middle one doesn't. Um, you know, again, it's not about telling you where to trim, it's just telling you where things are located so you can start figuring out your action plan. And at the end of the day, this is the goal. Now, granted, this is a cadaver leg that I was, I was mapping on. I, they're like, why, what, where's Daisy sitting or standing or whatever? This is a cadaver foot and that's not the bone that goes in this foot, right? Okay. Right, I mean, it, it can't be because it's clean and sitting there and it's obviously facing the wrong direction. Right. Right, it would be upside down in the foot, not, not on top. But the symmetry we're going for to me with the understanding the mapping and how we trim and treat the foot, this is what we're going for. We're looking for an even periphery of horn outside of our internal structures. So, so this is a great picture because that coffin bone just gives you the idea of what, what the mapping's doing is really locating where that bone is in that foot. Right, exactly. And if you don't know where the bone is, honestly, what business do you have trimming a foot? Honestly, like if you don't, if you cannot picture that internal anatomy like that, you're either going to be over conservative or, or too aggressive. Mm. I mean, just maybe not all the time, because maybe, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get really close most of the time, but there's going to be outliers of feet that you're going to be like, I'm not doing anymore because I'm not sure where I'm going with this. Or you overdo it and you're like, oh, I really misinterpreted that. Neither is acceptable. Okay. Right. It's like fat horses and skinny horses. We see skinny horses as neglect problems, but not so much fat horses. Yes. Fat horses right? are neglect problems too. To some, to some degree, right? And well, because, me, because we're setting them up for, for failure. Is right. So under trimming to me is just as bad as over trimming. But we don't see it as, as detrimental because the horse is not lame and we feel good because there's no blood. And, you know, these things are important. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't want to go to the other extreme either. But to me, under trimming is just as bad. It's just my personal opinion. Okay. So, all right, here's another example. And I love this one because you can see how beautifully the front half of the foot here fits around this bone. And these heels are so contracted. So imagine if this is what the bone looked like before the heels contracted, what are those contracted heels doing to this bone? Wow. That to me is wild. You can just imagine the pressure on these palmar processes of the coffin bone and how that contracture, look at the bruising in these heels and the stretch in the white line. There are corns in here from pressure. And so this is so interesting because it's like, yeah, you know, this is what this would really work except for we lost the back of the foot. Right. And so you can really start to appreciate the pathology going on there and the distortion and why that, that these horses get so much heel pain, right? They get caudal heel pain. And, and, and I think what happens is we want to lump all the heel pain into the word navicular, but really it can be, it can be from, you know, this, it can, there's more than one way to have pain in the back of the foot is what I'm trying right. to say. Right. Absolutely. It can be soft tissue pain. It can be bony changes happen eventually. I mean, it'd be reasonable to think this horse might have some, some bony changes, but the discomfort for this horse started long before the bone changes happened. Yeah, and, and just somebody's commented that the typical response for this would be to put a wedge on them. Right, and in some cases that can work. You know, legitimately, if it didn't work some of the time, it wouldn't be a prevalent idea, right? 
but um, you know, no one cookie cutter response fits every horse's situation. And so um, that's where things like leverage testing can help us and um, being able to build prosthetic with like glue and composites. You know, we like doing that because we can affect balance in different ways and we can build, you know, fake digital cushion and that can help these guys without a wedge. So yes, all sorts of things can help these horses. And, and Dr. O'Leary has, has corrected me and said that the, the term now is caudal heel pain syndrome. Correct. Yeah, correct. Okay. Yes. But, but because all know, those things fit the together. Lay, the lay language is, is slow to catch up to that. That's kind of like the lay language has got, you know, some sort of navicular problem going on when you have the back of the foot has pain. Right. Right. So it's interesting from the hoof care provider perspective, because a lot of times the owner comes to us and says, oh, my vet diagnosed my horse with navicular. And we have to say, okay, that might be the way the vet communicated it so that the owner understands, but I need some more information to know what's actually going on. So yeah, we have to translate sometimes from the lay language. No, but I just, I just love the advancement in hoof care that's happening. I mean, it's like, it's like a Renaissance. Yes, it really is. And, and, and it's also interesting to look back and see that some of this stuff was known before and we forgot it. Yes, that's right. It all kind of comes full circle, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a true Renaissance and it's really benefiting a lot of horses. I love it with your help. <laughs> so, so this was just a demo I was doing for an owner on mapping a hind foot. And I was showing her how even before I mapped it, I could see exactly where that bone was in the foot. And so I took this bone that was a hind foot bone because they're shaped differently. And I laid it there to show her where we were going with the map. And what I think is incredibly interesting is, you know, this is just the coffin bone lying here and the, the short pasture would come up from here and the navicular bone would be behind. But this is exactly where that center of rotation is. And if you look at where that's lying on this foot, it's right over the center. Yeah. So, and I'm gonna show you more examples of this, more specific. This is great though. This really puts the 3D part in when you start to lay that bone over the foot and, and, and help us see that. Good, I'm glad it's helpful because I find that when we do that in hands-on clinics that it really helps people appreciate where this is all going. Yeah. So, yeah. So we've also done this with dissections, right? With Paige Poss has come out and she, she, when she lived in Virginia, she came up and she did these great dissections for us. And what we would do is I would map these feet, these cadaver feet, obviously. And then we, we would, I would mark where I thought P3 is and we would nip back to where that was on the sole here. And it was amazing how spot on it was. Like you'd get to the corium right there, the blood and nerves. And then she would take the, the capsule off and you could see where I drew the center and where the actual center of that, of that capsule was. And they always lined up exactly. Wow. Really, really cool to see. And then if you cut the sole in half, what you can see now is this is the periphery of the bone here. And this is the back half of that sole where the palmar process comes back and the bars, which follow the corium on the coffin bone, just wrap around because this is all wall and you have white line all the way around sealing the wall to the sole and the corium all the way around. So you can absolutely just place that bone right inside that sole print reliably. Wow. If you practice hoof mapping. Okay. It's pretty yep. cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Okay. So this is a, this is a different animal, right? This is a foot that's highly distorted. I think we can all appreciate that. Right. And I, I had this foot and I was like, this foot's a mess. 
and the, the horse had been shod six weeks prior. I had the, the um, invoice from the farrier in my hand and he had been shod six weeks prior. This horse was given away because he couldn't get sound. And it was such a sad thing because it was like, well, maybe if somebody would have paid a little bit more due diligence to these feet, maybe he could have gotten sound, but yet it was outside of the practitioner's wheelhouse, which is okay, right? It's okay. So I, I, you know, looked at this foot and I'm like, I know, I know what I need to do to this foot. And I was trying to explain to the owner and I had two farriers riding along with me, how distorted this foot was. And so I went ahead and I did something crazy to demonstrate my confidence in how far this foot needed to come back. Do you see what I did? You put a, is that in the middle picture? You put a line? Nope. Oh, you put a pin? Is that a pin? What did you do? You the drove a nail out. through the sole of the foot. Okay. It's taking me a little time. <laughs> okay. So this is something that Gene Ovnick used to do, you know, yeah. and, it would, and it would freak people out all the time because he'd drive a nail in the middle of the sole and people would say, oh my gosh, this is so, this is so, you know, um, risky and you shouldn't put the horse at risk. There's no risk here. If you know what you're doing, I'm not saying people go do this. Okay. Please don't do this. Right. This is a trained professional on a trained professional live course, closed course. <laughs> however that's that that disclaimer goes yeah. but the point was it's like i was here with these farriers and they were telling me that like you, it needed a trim and you could pull the toe back and they had said you know you could pull the toe back by about half an inch and i'm like no there's so much room here the problem is sometimes i think we're limited by our training and our materials and what we think we can do so um, so I drove this nail in and we all thought this was great we had you know the owner thought this was fabulous so you know i was I was tickled that it was a good demonstration, right? Um, but this is what the trim that I put on the foot. Wow. And the, you know, the the core thing to look at here is two things. One, the nail hole that I drove to the center trimmed out. Okay. The other thing to notice is look at where these nail holes are. Yeah. Okay. Now go back here. Those nail holes are all the way up here. Those nails are up here. And look where that nail is. That all trimmed out. Wow. So if you really understand mapping and you really understand where the corium is and where the bone is, it gives you empowerment to in the right situation with the right owner and the vet on board in a rehabilitative context, be able to make some dramatic changes quickly for these animals. So, and again, I just wanted just the disclaimer, this is a trained professional who's been hoof mapping for a long time and used a, you know, a lot of experience and knows what she's doing. The, um, but the illustration, Daisy, is amazing. Daisy, by any chance, have you mapped out that right-hand picture? Uh, this one I didn't include here, but I have one that's very similar. Okay. To show you. Is that yeah, you but I can map it. Do you want me to map it? Yeah, yeah, I, that would be really fun. Okay. So, um, so somebody's asking, you don't need to trim the toe gradually in this case, but I mean, in, in that instance, and I, I think we have to just be clear about the fact that um, the circumstances were such that you were there and able to do this because you know what you're doing. And I think that that's the key. <laughs> well, right. And I, you know, the goal of, of me sharing this is to show you the potential of it. Correct. That, that's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. You said it much better than me. Oh, no, it's like, this is how powerful hoof mapping can be but you have to know where you're going and know your landmarks. And obviously I can't exfoliate this foot right now, right? right? So I can't show you exactly where, 
that is, however, I can get pretty darn close and I can show you where I estimate everything to be. Right. So back of the foot is back here, right? So I'm looking at my V dimple of my frog, the back of my collateral grooves, which I would clean this up so I could see where this is. Right. Um, and then I'm looking at where the ground surface of the frog turns to the heel bulb surface. And ELPO talks about there's flat spots here at the back that you can actually feel on the frog where it turns. And oh. so I'm estimating that's approximately. Okay. Keep in mind that if you're gonna start mapping, you're always better guessing this line further back. Ah, okay. And the reason for that is because if you're doubling this proportion forward and you judge it too short, say you're an eighth of an inch too short, when you double that forward, your line is off by a quarter inch. Ah, okay. Because you doubled it. So you could justifiably bring that further back, but I think this area here is pretty reliable. And now I'm gonna look at where my bar swells are. I can see my white line or my bar is kind of distorted right here, yep. but it looks like there's a bar swell and a bar swell and a frog boob. So I'm gonna put my, my center line right about yeah, there. I think there is good. Okay. And then what's cool about um, Keynote is that I can bring this line in and it's gonna tell me when it's exactly 50%. Oh. See that yellow, those yellow lines that jump in? Yeah. That's telling me those two distances are equal. Cool. So do this in Keynote. <laughs> I like Keynote because it lets me do things, but it did take me years to learn how to do it to make it do what I wanted. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more power to you. But you know, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than this when you know where your landmarks are. Plus, I told you that nail hole trimmed out. Right. Right. So, you know, it it works super well. Um, and I can show you doo -doo -doo, some other examples. How's that sound? Okay. Okay, let me see, let me stop my share because it didn't work that way last time. And I will window play. Okay, and now I'm gonna share that screen. Go back to that presentation. There we go, can you see that okay? Yep. Great, okay, so, um, this is another example of a severely distorted foot that you can use hoof mapping to help you figure some things out. Okay. So yeah. feet like this, obviously you should always have radiographs. Like even I wouldn't work on these feet without a radiograph. However, you can start figuring some things out based on um, your mapping. And what I wanted to know with mapping on this foot was where exactly is P3? Cause even with a radiograph on this foot, it was difficult for me to see exactly where P3 was going to end up in this severely distorted foot, right? which, which is a foundered foot, a chronically foundered foot. So I could map the shoe support, right? Cause that was the ground bearing surface. And I could guesstimate where I thought my center of rotation was based on the end of the white line of the bar, the frog boob, some of these other landmarks, but where in the world was actually P3? Because this is not a normal foot. So I had the radiograph and it was bad. But even with the coffin bone pointing straight down like this, I'm supposed to trim this foot, seriously? Like I'm supposed to put sharp tools on this poor foot and do something with it? I wanted to make sure I knew exactly where everything was. So it still didn't tell me exactly where the tip of P3 was. You know, like I know it's out here somewhere, but I was afraid to touch it. So what's neat about hoof mapping is you can take that heel landing with your radiograph, you can take your break over with your radiograph because I can see the shoe. I can map where the center is. 
And then I can actually drop a line down from the coffin bone and it'll tell me exactly where that bone is. Wow. So you just had to make sure that your two pictures were the same size. But since I can see where the ends of the shoe are and my sole picture was adequately acquired, meaning it was, there was no perspective distortion. They were taken in a parallel manner, aiming at the COR. As long as I line up my, my shoe on the heel, my shoe at the toe, and then I already had mapped the center and that lined up perfectly to my COR here, wow. right? Then I know that I'm proportionally accurate so I can drop that to the P3 line right down. And I knew exactly where P3 was. It was behind the frog apex. And I would not have necessarily guessed that. Right. It also tells you how accurate the hoof mapping is, right? This is so cool. <laughs> Thanks, I love it. Okay, again, doesn't tell you what to do with the foot, but it gave me safety parameters reliably. And when you use this over and over and over again, you can do it without the radiograph. I have the closest thing to x-ray vision as probably anybody in my area that I know, right? Like, you, if you want me to map a foot without a radiograph, I'm gonna be darn close. Wow. How long have you been mapping and looking at radiographs? A long time and a lot of feet. Correct. Yes. Since 2005. And how many uh, feet do you think you've mapped or radiographed or looked at radiographs on? Well, my, my database is over 500,000 images of yeah. feet with corresponding radiographs. That's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> yeah. So I have a lot of practice. Um, right. So yeah, but you know what? I mean, I teach people how to do this. You can take ELPO courses. You can study with Casey LaPierre. You can, there's places you can go that you can incorporate mapping into what you're doing to get good at it. And right. the first thing you need to do is just start drawing on feet. Right. And, and like anything, it's a skill, you know, like I have x-ray vision for riders. How did I get there? I practiced a lot, 30 years, you know, <laughs> so, right. um, exactly. that's, that's the deal is you, if you're going to get good at something, you have to do it. You can't just sit back and think it's going to get there. Yes, right. exactly. But now, when you have that skill, this is really impressive. Now question for you. Yeah. Did you want us to stop at seven or am I allowed to keep going? We'll keep going. Okay. All right. We'll stop anybody. At okay, good. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Good. All right. Here's another foot. What do you think of this one? Uh, There's P3 in this one. Uh, actually, actually, I think it's, uh, so, yeah, I think there's actually a shadow of it kind of. Okay. Tell me, tell me when I get there. I'm going to start at the toe. See my mouse? Yep. Tell me when I get there. Somewhere there. Okay. Yeah, there's like a bruise there, isn't there? Yeah, there's a there's a change in coloration and a funny little shape there. It almost, I mean, oddly, it looks like I can see the outline of it. Yeah, right. Now, what's interesting about this foot is that it had been trimmed the day before. Oh. Okay. And the hoof care provider didn't want to take any more off because he said that if he went into the white line, that he would bleed the horse. We're taught that. We're taught don't invade the white line, okay? The trouble with that is this foot has so many distortions and there's clearly pathology going on that I'm not sure that this hoof care provider helped this horse as much as he was hoping by being conservative, right? Right. So and, how, Well, ahead. I just wanna say that if anybody wants to learn about the, the white line, Dr. Bowker, I had Dr. Bowker last week and he talked about trimming inside the white line. And um, so go watch that webinar if you want to like hear more about that. 
Ooh, I'll have to listen to what he said. I didn't yeah. get to watch that one yet. Yeah. I'll go listen to what he said. Did we, do we have the same opinion? Do we, do you know? Swim inside the white line. Oh, All right. Very good. <laughs> I, you know, I've often thought about it getting t-shirts made that say to hell with the white line, but I really think it could be taken out of context because it's more about accurately interpreting the white line and not really throwing it out the window. Cause it is telling us something, right? Yes. Like this he has a really great diagram of the trim that you need. And if you don't get to a certain point, you just keep moving the toe forward. It just gets longer and longer and longer because right. you haven't actually backed it up. And um, so. Yeah, depending yeah. a little bit on your environment, on, but yeah. On the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel, all my video webinars are on, I'll put it in here, sure. Yeah, that's, that's gonna be yeah, a good 150 one. of them, a lot of feet ones. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And so if you subscribe, you always get a notification whenever I put up another one. And there's like, there's a massive, there's four other, three others with Daisy and we've done four with Bob and et cetera, et cetera. Yes, go there. Awesome. So in this foot, clearly this white line, you know, if you know feet and you have experience, you're going to recognize that this white line is stretched. So this is a foundered foot and the bruising in the sole is certainly scary. And yet when you look at this foot, um, a lot of people think that there's no room in this foot, that there's like the bone is right here, like you like you stated, Wendy, and it's so flat that there's no depth here and there's no room to trim. Like maybe you can roll this back, but then are you gonna be right putting pressure on the bone potentially is one of the concerns, okay? So when I mapped this foot, you know, I looked at the back of the foot, I looked at where the center is and I looked at how there's, you know, 80% toe where we should have 50-50 support is the goal, right? right. So, you know, it was clearly quite distorted, but is that because these heels are underrun? See where measuring the heels can be problematic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Because it's giving you a distorted idea. You know, really the true back of this foot is actually probably back here. Right. Okay. But even then that's not going to get you to 50, 50. Correct. Yeah. Because look at this toe. Yeah. Who would have guessed that, that this horse actually has quite a lot of sole depth. And this toe is super distorted, but there's piles of toe here, piles of it. Yeah. So even if let's say that I had been bold and I had said, I'm going to go behind this white line, but I'm worried the bone is right here. And I would have rolled it say to the back of this, like the edge of the sole here. Yep. That's here. Wow. That's not nearly going to be adequate, especially if heaven forbid you also lower the heels. Cause if you lower the heels and you leave that toe all the way out there, now you just created a ton of leverage on the deep digital flexor tendon and on a foundered horse, that would be a very bad idea. Right. So be careful of good intentions, right? So get a radiograph, then you'll know, you'll be like, oh yeah, okay, now I see, right? But again, here's how we can line this up. So let's say you have all this foot and you're like, well, I know that this is where that back of that, that stretched white line is, but how much further back so you can do the same thing. You can see where the heel landing is. You can see where that breakover was approximately. There was a bit of a roll on that toe. And then you can see where the COR is, which lined up to where I had put it. And then you can drop the bone line down to the bone at the frog apex is where the bone is. The bone's not up here where this bruise is. Wow. Yeah. Super interesting. Really, really interesting. I, I just think the combination of x-rays with soul mapping is really the way to go. Yes, it's a powerful combination because you can really directly translate, you know, 
the idea is that soul mapping can get you close, but on anything that's too distorted, you really need to have a radiograph. Right. Yeah. Okay. So here's where I trimmed him. I don't think I would have had the balls to do that. Excuse me. The, the gumption to do that. That's <laughs> laughing. Okay. <laughs> good. Oh, good. Oh, good. To actually do this without having the idea of hoof mapping, even with the radiograph. So, so, um, so somebody's saying the bruise grew forward with the stretched sole. Right. Correct. And yes. Then, and then somebody else is saying, uh, Dr. O'Leary again is saying, it's so hard to convince my clients to order foot radiographs. I think all horses should have the annually. And if you watch um, Ann Ramsey's webinar that we did, she talked about having those um, annual radiographs. Uh, that if, if we could start to educate people that that could be something that's just, you know, standard, you, you get your spring shots, you get your x-rays, you know, radiographs so that um, we have them, but it's education. It goes back to education. That's why we're doing these webinars. Um, somebody's asking, how did you line up your radiograph with your photograph without the shoe? Oh, it's a good question. You mean this picture here? Yeah. Because well, you can see where the heel comes down and ends. I know it's blown out and it's a little hard to see the way I have it lined up here because it's not very big, but you can see where that heel comes down. So that's pretty accurate. And then, you know, I judge the toe and yes, maybe this could have been a little bit smaller or a little bit bigger, but I based it based on the, um, the center being accurate. And what I figured was I have a little bit of perspective distortion in my toe here because it's rolled. So it's going away from me. So the fact that my toe line didn't act actually line up with the exact end of my foot didn't bother me because the back was pretty clear and the center was matching. So you used three actual landmarks to line it up. Correct. Yeah, correct. So, and look, here's the thing you have to keep in mind. Let's say that I had judged that the bone was out here under this 80%, which is backwards, um, mark. Let's say that I had assumed that and I'd only taken the toe back to here, right? Yeah. I would have been very safe, but maybe not as effective for this horse as I could have been. On the other hand, let's say that I moved, you know, my, let's say I made my pictures a little bit different and I made my x-ray a little bit smaller. Yes, that's gonna move my bone further back, but I don't know that I would have taken that much more toe in what I actually trimmed. And clearly the, the be most beneficial thing I could do here was take a second radiograph. Yeah. So you do the trim as much as you feel you're comfortable doing without harm, right? So recognizing that if I'm not gonna take the toe back as far as could be, maybe I'm not gonna overly lower the heel either, right? So you can make those value decisions and then you can ask for a repeat radiograph and say, I need more information to help this animal as proactively as possible without hurting him. Well, and you're dealing with a horse that, you know, is extreme. And I'm, whenever, I think when you're dealing with horses that extreme and owners are going to actually have you come, they're willing to do that extra radiograph. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we did that, right? We did the, we did the radiograph after, and here's what we had. Wow. There was still room. Wow. Wow. Well, so, so, so somebody asked a question, but they said, never mind. So um, <laughs> did you take an after radiograph? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's amazing. Cause like you said, there's still room and, and wow. And if people looked at this casually, if I posted this directly on Facebook without an explanation, people are going to be like, oh my gosh, Jay-Z's a butcher. People probably say that anyway, but you know, you have to do this with knowledge and education and with information right 
sorry. Right. And, and the thing is, that, that, that's where I keep going back to, this is a trained professional, a closed course, and you have as gathered as much as information as you possibly can to make the best decision. And I'm sure that as you're doing this, you are not just, you know, going hell bent for leather, you're paying attention to what's happening as you're going. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I put this here to show you the power of this, not to tell you to go out and do this. Right. Okay. All right. So that being said, this is what he looked like then. Um, you know, I think it was four or five months later. Um, ironically, the owner did not change the diet as tightly as I felt it needed to be done. So we, we were struggling getting this white line completely tight. You can see he still has a little bit of blood in there, but what I did is I took the shape of this white line and I superimposed it over here and look how everything just came back from doing this. Look how the frog widened out. The shape of everything is now fairly well balanced. Um, and, you know, certainly we're much closer to the ratios that we'd like him to have to be able to heal this foot the best way he can. You, you bring up an important point in terms of um, if we don't take care of the inside of the horse, just taking care of the outside isn't going to do it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Sorry. Okay. How about this one? Wow. What's all the green stuff? That is a good question. Why would there be green stuff in this frog? Anybody know? You can put it in the chat. I don't know what, it doesn't look like natural green stuff. No, it's not. Any ideas? Somebody, somebody thinks it's dim. No, close though. <laughs> so what kind of foot is this? What does this look like? A distorted foot. Good answer. Yes, good answer. So, yeah. so this is a low heel, long toe horse, right? That had caudal heel pain syndrome. And the vet had put Play-Doh around the frog to do a navicular series. Okay. So I was given some radiographs on this horse, but this horse was down and had to be blocked to get up. He was so painful in these feet. And I'm sitting here going, okay, where, where can I trim this foot to? And how can I help this horse the most? Right? So this was his radiograph. Now I was given this chopped off radiograph and I walked into the barn and the vet said, Daisy, don't give me a hard time about the radiograph. The horse can barely stand even blocked. He's having a hard time. I'm by myself. And I did the best job I could. And, and she said, oh, and she said, and I know that you have everything that you need from this radiograph. So don't give me a hard time. And I'm like, no, ma'am, it's fine. It's great. Got it. Okay. And she was right. I had everything here that I needed. I didn't know exactly where the toe ended on the radiograph. And I, part of his heel was cut off, but I could see where the important structures of my foot were, the balance of my bone, where, where my soul depth was, what kind of, you know, corium shape I was dealing with and what was going on in the rest of the balance. So I had enough information that I could make some value decisions. What was cool about this though, is in hindsight, I was able to use this idea of mapping because I did map him, right? His, his heel landing was right under the center. That's how underrun these heels were. Wow. Okay. And then, you know, I could look at, okay, so his heel landing is back here. Here's the bone right here drop a line down. And then I could project the toe forward and say, oh, well, there was the, the relative amount of toe that I had. 
So I actually could extrapolate a little bit more about what was going on with this horse. And, you know, looking at it from this perspective, if I had only taken back, you can see where that soul starts right here. This ridge of soul here yep. is right in here. So if I'd only taken him back to the edge of that white line, that wasn't going to nearly serve this horse, right? But if I mapped him where I wanted to bring him back to, put a line here at the back of the frog, looked at where the center was over the center, and then doubled that forward, it would have given me a much more accurate idea of how distorted and run forward this foot was, right? So this is where I was able to trim him to. Wow. Now, a lot of his problem was toe height. And this is why just soul mapping doesn't, isn't enough, okay? Right. But it did tell me where the bone was and where the corium was. So I knew I had room in my toe. And there's clearly a lot of chalk and exfoliation here. So you can explore that a little bit when you know you have this kind of room and it gives you some idea of how much wall length you can bring back and where the true white line is. Cause that white line, you know, you can see it right here. This is a pretty good radiograph and you can see right here that going forward. So, you know, the, the idea of this is that you need to change not only the length of the toe, but the height of the toe as well. And that's how we got to here in one trim. So and we look, had some questions about this one. Somebody's uh -huh. asking, what is the ideal P3 Palmer angle? Five to eight degrees. Okay. And this is a this back one, foot, right? No, this is a front foot. This is a front foot? Yes, this is a front foot. Oh my goodness, I thought it was a back foot. Which was crazy, these are front feet. Yep, he couldn't stand up. Was that kind of bull nose you see in, in back feet commonly, but I don't right. think I've ever seen that in a front foot. Right, so it's important to keep in mind like that the what the distortions can do, right? So looking at distortion grading, which is another thing that I love, a bull nose is something that I list as occasionally on a front foot. Usually it's a dish, but it can still be a bull nose. Interesting. Okay. All right. Let me go back to the chat because there's, um, so can a negative planter angle, but we might just say planter or palmer angle, correct itself with proper balance trim and time and nutrition? Well, that's what I was able to do in one trim. I changed this palmer angle by eight degrees. Wow. How so, did he yeah. walk off? He was, he was, well, he was still blocked a little bit in the moment, but I got a call from the owner four days later that he was cantering in the field, which was crazy because I really didn't think it was going to be enough with all of his joint problems here. I really didn't think that this was going to be able to be enough, but if you can get that toe back and get the balance back, his foot continued to improve. I don't have a follow-up set of radiographs, but you know, he grew more heel. The digital cushion got stronger. Frog got stronger, his alignment got straighter, and he just got sounder and sounder. You know, I th one of the amazing things is for me is that if we just alleviate the the pressure, the horse can heal. I mean, it's just exactly, exactly. And so that's why, to me, understanding these concepts and aiming for these things in my hoof care work is core. It's not just a tool; it's core. Right. Okay. Wait, wait, go back to that picture. Okay. Just, just go through that again, because I, this, these combo pictures to me are really uh, okay. not, not the, well, okay. Start with the before and then go to the after. Well, I was just going to remind everybody where we started here. So the heel, the heel purchase is underrun all the way to the COR, right? We've got this bro severely broken back hoof pasture axis with a negative eight degree Palmer P3 angle. Okay. 
the bone, the tip of the bone, you can see on this radiograph, it's a good radiograph. You can see where that frog apex comes around here. And that's yeah. exactly where it lined up on the soul map. Okay, so really accurate there. And then you can even see where the edge of the soul is, where the edge of the soul is down here and where the apparent breakover would be. But if you're just looking at this foot, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, there's so much here, where do I even start? Yeah. And you might get some of it back. I'm sure most people would be able to do that, but could you get enough of it back to make this much of a difference? Where we got the back of the, the weight bearing surface of the heels is much closer to the true back of the foot, right? The center, yeah, this is still, look, this is still way too long. But the, the other thing to notice on this horse is that this horse has a very long percentage of P3 in front of the COR compared to these like non-existent Palmer processes. So this is a horse- I want you to go back again, Heather O'Leary. And by the way, Heather, uh, Rachel says, hi. <laughs> hi, Heather. Go back to which one? Go back to the before. Okay. Okay. What was your question, uh, Heather? Uh, okay. So, so we're at the before again, Heather. Let me know if there's anything else you want. Um, and then go forward to the after again. Yep. So we, so our Palmer angle is, uh, no, just wanted to see it again. Okay. Got okay. it. So zero degree Palmer P3 angle. So I increased it just in the trim eight degrees. And I don't think that's a problem because we're reducing leverage. If we were increasing leverage by an eight degree change, I think that would be a huge problem. But people ask me all the time, do we need to make these changes slowly because the tough, soft tissue has to adapt? Well, not if you're reducing leverage, not to me. I mean, it's no different like horses stand uphill all the time and then they can go downhill and they adjust and they adapt. And if you're dealing with a foot that is compact around the internal structures, they can tolerate a lot of those variability of changes. So to make a change reducing leverage, I think is, is fine to do it quickly. Of course, I'd always recommend that you, um, you know, back off your athletic expectations of the animal for a while, just so they can finish adjusting. But, you know, this is, this is consistent type of work for me. Yeah, you, you pretty much uh, at this point only deal in extreme in uh, really severe cases, right? Oh, you're so, you're so funny, Wendy. You know, people say that about me all the time. 70% of my work is normal barefoot trims. Okay. I guess it's because we only ever see the distorted ones, Daisy, but of course those are the- well, Look, I get called in for a severe case like this and then they, I end up trimming everybody in the barn, right? So, you know, it's these cases that are my passion. It's these cases that I, I, absolutely will go to the ends of the earth for but at the same time i'm grateful for my maintenance trims because they're not stressful we don't have huge problems they're all the tools i do with these complicated cases still benefit the maintenance trims it's just you know it's just not my like heart's work right like Really? Well, just see the difference you can make. And Heather's like, you know, uh, routine is boring, but actually routine is not boring. It's just that, um, you know, the, the goal is that these horses become routine. Well, that's it. Exactly. They end up not being rehabilitation. They end up being maintenance. And that's, that's absolutely the goal for all of them. Right. Um, so yeah. somebody is actually asking, um, yeah, she strives to work for that herself, but there was another comment. The 50-50 COR balance will restore when the PA increases more on this horse. Yes. Well, to some degree, yes. Although with the lack of digital cushion back here and the long lever arm of coffin bone in front of the COR compared to behind, 
it's going to be hard to do that without a prosthetic device. Like, I think this would be very hard to get that horse to that place without adding material as opposed to subtracting material. Because how far back, look at the corium. I don't know if you all can appreciate that, but on these horses that get bullnosed, the corium often draws forward. So his corium is all the way out here. So yes, I do think that has potential to recede over time, but um, the bone is still physically longer. So you need to create some support and some length in the back and probably wedge this horse up because this is a horse that has distal descent in the back of the foot. And you know how much digital cushion due to gravity we can shove back under there. Think about Dr. Bowker talking about the fibrocartilage and how it, how it breaks down and it doesn't regenerate. You can build more mass of digital cushion, but not with the resiliency of the CPLs. So I think that this would be a hard, hard horse to get a lot higher in the Palmer angle, although we did have some improvement, but he was, look, this was a horse that needed to be pasture sound. He was not ridden clearly with all of this arthritis and navicular change. He was not a performance animal. I kid you not, he lived on a hill like this. Oh, and wow. He, and he was sound. He could tolerate those leverages on his joints and he would walk trot canter all over this huge, beautiful pasture. And he was happy and comfortable. And that's what he needed to do. So we could have put shoes on him. I did talk to the vet about that. And she's like, he's, he's fine the way he is. You know, he doesn't need all that intervention. If he's happy this way, we're going to just do the best we can for him every time I come to trim him. And he did great. Um, you know, in Dr. Bowker's talk, he's talking about how when you get these uh, long toes and how it pulls on the periosteum, you start getting bone laying down and it actually changes the shape of the coffin bone. And yeah. so, you know, the, there's a, um, there's a limit to what we can do if the bone itself is remodeling. Yes, the bone can remodel in back, um, but I think we have to recognize that there are limited time for one. You know, how long is exactly. it going to be for that? This horse was at this point is um, 18 years old. Yeah. So it took him 18 years to get here. How much time do we have to try to reverse this process? Right. And in you his know? case, just making him comfortable, which you obviously did. It was good. It was good. So. Um, for the, for the sake of time, I did put some in here about looking at three-dimensional balance, but I want to ask you, Wendy, what do you feel, um, is the most valuable to people? Do you want to do Q and A? Do you want me to show a video of, of just a basic mapping or a complex mapping? Um, I, you know, what I would like to see is the video of the mapping, because I think that, that kind of wraps up everything and we get to see it sort of live, if you will. Yeah, sure. Sure. So I have the, probably the best one is this one is not long and it is a, um, let me just share this again. Play, on window. Okay. And then I'm going to share that again. Okay. So this is simple mapping on a non-distorted hoof. Um, obviously the, the, what I've showed you a lot of tonight is the mapping on very distorted feet. So this will give you an idea of where you can still map on a non-distorted hoof and still get valuable information. Great. Okay. And the first step is exfoliate the foot. And the reason we do that is so we can see our landmarks clearly. Um, on this foot, um, I'm going to trim the bars, really any foot actually, trim my bars, make sure my frog is fairly centered and I can see the back of my collateral glues clearly. On this foot, that's fairly easy. 
and on a barefoot horse especially, I'm only going to exfoliate from about the center of his foot back. I'm gonna leave all the protection in the front of his foot. Never sent my knife back. See where the end of the bar truly lies. I owe you a knife. Because one of the most reliable landmarks is the bar swell, which is where the termination of the bar is. His frog though looks pretty tidy. There's just a couple little flaps here that will clean up. But other than that, I think I can see the back of that frog pretty clearly where it ends at the bottom of the collateral grooves. So now that we've cleaned our foot up, that's all we have to do. I'm gonna start with my three points to find the back of my foot. My V dimple is right here. That's pretty easy at the back of the central sulcus. I can find where my frog meets the back of my collateral groove here and here. And I can also see where my flat spots are on the back of my frog or where the frog sole plane turns to the heel bulbs. That's clearly right here. So that's gonna be the back of my foot right there. There's five ways to find the center. The first one we're gonna look at is the end of the white line of the bar, which my white line is right here. And we're going to say it's ending right about there. This one I can see ends about there. The bar swells are actually anatomical reference points on the coffin bone. And they actually make a little bit of a bump here. And it's a termination point where the bar terminates into the body of the coffin bone. Palmer processes being back here and the body of the coffin bone being up here. So this is actually on the bone. And they're really easy to spot if you put your thumbs in the collateral grooves and come all the way down, you'll feel them bump out. And it's right near the end of the white line of the bar. The next landmark we're gonna look at is the junction of solo white line at the widest part of the foot here. I'm gonna take my handy dividers right here. And I'm gonna draw a center line down the foot so I can see where my symmetry is. Right here like that, that's the center of my foot. And I'm gonna go parallel to that and look at where the tangent on the arc is, where the furthest point out, that's the widest part right there. And if we go to this side, right there. The next point I'm gonna look at is the frog boob. The frog boob is actually an anatomical landmark on Duckett's bridge. Dr. Bowker talks about how there's a mass of frog here in the center that actually protects the navicular bone. And that's the, what we call the frog boob. And that term was coined by Dr. Judith Shoemaker. And it helps me remember that it's like a round center here in the middle. And then the last part we're gonna look at, which is a little bit tricky and one of the least important landmarks I look at, if I feel like a lot of these other landmarks aren't working, I would look at one inch back for my true frog apex, but I'm not sure if that's my true frog apex right now, because it seems like it could be stretched forward a little bit. So I would actually measure, this is a good trick, on the outside, the lateral side of my foot from the bar swell to where the junction of sole to white line is, that is the length of my true central sulcus. And I'm going to put that on my dimple and bring that forward. So that's where my true central sulcus lies, is right here. That's my central sulcus. And then I'm gonna take my dividers and I'm actually gonna take that distance and double it forward. And see that's showing me that my true frog, uh, that's pretty reliable because it's a ratio and feet are built on ratios. So here, if I 
now measure one inch back from that true frog apex, that's gonna put me right about here. So if I look at where all those spots are, this one, this one, this one, this one, junction of sole white line, bar swells, and a white line of my bar, my frog boob, that's telling me that this foot, the center, if I average those marks, the center of this foot is gonna be right about here, right there. And then if I take that length here and I double it forward to here, and you wanna do that very precisely here to here, here to here, this is where my breakover would lie. This is my 50-50. And on this foot, that's probably gonna be achievable because it's not a very distorted foot. So this is my toe callus right here, this nice kind of curved, domed part of the sole. And then my toe pillars are between my true frog apex and my breakover line on the quarter line. So that goes here, and then here to here, and over here. And that might be a little hard to see, but these foot feet are pretty wet at the moment here in Pennsylvania. So see if a different color marker will show that toe pillar a little better. Right there and right there. And that's it, that's your basic hoof map. And you know, again, this doesn't tell us where we need to trim to, it's just telling us that this is the center and we want to ideally have 50-50 toe support to heel support to be balanced around the center of rotation of this hoof capsule. There you go. That's an awesome video. That was fabulous. And there's already a question. Somebody's, where do you get those dividers? Uh, they come from JH Forge. JH Forge. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And where do you get the pink markers? Ooh, Sharpie paint markers. Amazon.com. They're great. They're, it's a paint marker. The Sharpie paint marker. Oh, and I they all different colors. Okay. I love Sharpie. Awesome. Daisy, that video was the perfect thing to wrap this all up because it just Good. all the ideas and put it together in, into one neat little package. I so appreciate you playing that video for us because that's exactly what I needed to see at the end there. Um, so if anybody has any questions, pop them in the chat or the Q&A. Otherwise, um, we're going to bring this webinar to a close. I just think this was fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, it's I'm so really glad to share. You know, I love doing these with you. And, um, you know, we have such a common audience. You yeah. know, our, our extended family of horse lovers is, is so synergistic. And I just love that. So thank you for the opportunity, Wendy. Oh, you're welcome. It's great. And uh, I'll call you again sometime. So um, okay. we'll do it again. It's been fantastic. And awesome. uh, stay safe with the snow. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. And then I. Um, I think our next webinar is Wednesday with Joyce Harmon. We're going to talk about equine ulcers. Um, so um, if you're having trouble with that sign up, just pop me an email and I can send you the link. Um, we've I think we got it sorted out now. We had a little problems, but I think we got it sorted out. All right. And remember to go to the Fans of Surefoot page and post a picture of you and your horse because you'll be entered to win a pair of Surefoot pads we'll draw on Friday. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. And thank you again, Daisy. It's been a pleasure. Great to see you. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Bye.